Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together, we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today's guest is Jill Winger. Jill is the founder of The Prairie Homestead, where she is dedicated to helping others learn how to grow their own food and live a more fulfilling, old-fashioned life. Jill and her family also run Genuine Beef Company, which ships grass-finished beef nationwide, as well as their historic historic Chugwater Soda Fountain. You'd know Jill from Instagram as um, Jill Winger, but also her podcast, Old Fashioned on Purpose. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to be here too. I will never forget. We we dropped a coloring book uh, like a year ago or something. Mm. And you're in that coloring book because we featured yes. 16 farms, ranches, homesteads right around the U.S., and I remember having to DM you and ask, like, what's the name of your town again? And you were like, Chugwater. And I was I like, guess. girl, <laughs> yeah. is that real life? Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that you call from, like, you come from a real small town. Um, and before we get into that, um, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you even get into this old-fashioned um, promotion, this homesteading life? How did you even get here? Yeah. So I was raised very conventionally, 90s kid in a little kind of suburban neighborhood on the outskirts of town. Like nothing about my childhood was really a foreshadowing of this uh, at first glance, but I was always kind of a weird kid. So I had these weird, I just think I was born with it, honestly, these inclinations towards country life and horses, especially, you know, I was one of the weird horse girls that like galloped around the yard. Did you have any friends like that growing up? That was me. So uh. I don't know. I had these weird inclinations and there was a point in my, in my young adult, you know, you're graduating high school and it's that pivot, pivotal moment. Are you going to kind of fall into line and be like everyone else and do what you're supposed to do and go to college and get the minivan and have the kids and do the white picket fence thing? Or are you going to do something different? And so I had my husband and I, at the time we were newlyweds, we, we were standing at this precipice of that choice. And Long story short, we ended up kind of falling into this idea of homesteading, which mm-hmm. it really wasn't a thing back when we started. It was 2008 when we kind of kicked it off and nobody knew what it was and nobody knew um, what, you know, they didn't have homesteading defined as a term. Mason jars weren't everywhere. Goats and chickens weren't <laughs> everywhere. But we just felt called to this unconventional way of life. And, and we've been following that for the last 14 years, I guess. And it's led us on some pretty exciting adventures and really has become my main mission in life really to help people understand the value of old fashioned ways and get back to their roots. So that's where we are now. I love that. How old were you when you got married? I was young. So I was 21 when we got married Okay. and my husband's five years older than me. Um, so, you know, it, it's typical. I thought I'm like, I've lived my life. I'm ready to settle down and put down some roots. But I was like, you are such a baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we were 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit older than Joey. So we were pretty young when we got married, too. I, I'm a big. Yeah. I loved it. I like spending time yeah. together in your 20s. So you just up and decided that you were going to homestead with and nowadays. Right. And we, we're going to get to this, I believe. But it's easy to kind of see this picture of homesteading and get excited about it because someone's doing it in like a glamping kind of way back then. <laughs> yeah. How did this become an option? Um, it was out of necessity, honestly. So I was, I was still a horse girl as a newlywed and I had some horses and we were renting at the time and, um, we were ready to buy our first home, you know, and to, to most people that's like you go in town and you find the cute neighborhood and then the cute little house, the first home fixer upper house. 
Um, but I had these horses and I'm like, well, that's not going to work. So we got to find a place to put these horses. And so, you know, our budget was really small. We were young and we had really entry level jobs. And so we started to look at horse properties for, for broke people, basically, <laughs> and not a lot of options. And it was, you know, 2008 in the middle of the recession and all that. Mm. And so what we found was this tumble down farmstead. It had 67 acres, the tiniest house. Like there was garbage and trash and washing machines everywhere. Everything was broken. All the roofs were bad, but it was within our price range and it, and it was far, far from town. So nobody else wanted it. Cause you know, it took 45 minutes to get to Walmart. Um, but it had room for the horses. And so that was the impetus that got us into this rural property. And then it was almost this weird, man, this magical supernatural moment when we almost immediately, we signed on the paperwork and I'm like, there's something else here. I'm supposed to do something else with this property. And initially it was like, well, you know, the mortgage is big and scary for our budget. So what if I offset the mortgage by making our property productive and I have this blank slate, maybe I could grow food or we could raise a steer. I didn't know how to do that. But I'm like, maybe I could figure it out and maybe we could grow some vegetables. And I, you know, I hadn't done all the cost benefit analysis of what homegrown food actually costs compared to industrially raised <laughs> grocery store food. But I, you know, young and dumb and it was all exciting. And so that kind of got me into this world of compost piles and gardens. And then I impulse bought some chickens. And then, like I said, homesteading wasn't a term in my vernacular, really. It wasn't, there was no pretty package for this lifestyle. It was us just kind of doing it like, you know, gritting our teeth and army crawling through the mud and making it work. But it was definitely where we were supposed to be. I could feel that in my gut, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. I knew that we were on the right path. Wow. I love that you had that moment after you signed it. You just had, it was like God just whispering like, Hey, there's going to be something big here. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to ask you to define homesteading, um, today, how you would define it today. Cause you kind of just defined it, how you maybe would have thought about it prior. You know, it's making your land productive and figuring things out as you go. How would you define homesteading right now? That's a good question. And that's a, that's a tricky question because there's a lot of different definitions and people honestly fight over the definitions online. <laughs> the way I think of it is it's a reconnection. Mm. It's a reconnection to our food, which ultimately ends up being a reconnection to nature and then our communities and ourselves. And that's a broad definition and that can apply to a lot of situations, but I think that holds true for what homesteading is. To me, it's not about a specific amount of acreage or a, a specific type of animal, farm animal you have. It's a mindset of being more intentional and moving through life in a way that honors what makes us human and not losing that in this fast paced modern world. Mm, I love that. It's, it's also like stepping away from a lot of the I don't want to always say convenience because I think there actually are some conveniences that homesteading lends itself to. Right. But it's stepping yes. away from I like that you say like in industry, right? The industrial nature of our lives. Every day we leave our little boxes and we drive and we go to other little boxes and we're in these offices and we've got awful fluorescent lighting like in our studio. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, it's just a very cookie cutter it's, it's not saying everyone lives that way, but it's kept me very easy to fall into this standard, either suburban or urban or country American version of life mm. or whatever country other people are in. Everyone's got kind of this like modern fast paced energy about their culture and yes. homesteading doesn't really operate in a nine to five. It doesn't really, it, it, it's forced to bend to the seasons, to the daylight, to 
um, everything. And it forces you as the homesteader to like, you have to work even when you're not feeling well, Mm -hmm. or even when you've got other stuff going on, you can't have a sick day unless you bring in help. Um, you know, it's this constant relationship you have with your land or your animals or both. And that's so different from other things that we can choose to turn off. Like we can choose to turn off our TV or our phones or we can turn off our job or even your relationship with your spouse. Like you can walk away for like a if you're in a fight or something. But like you can't not milk your cow if your cow needs milk, yeah. you know. You can't not tend to your garden. I mean, you can, but then there will be repercussions. So that's fascinating. Um, I would love to know. Joey kind of hinted at it, and I really want to sit here for a moment. But for us especially, Joey and I are in the suburbs, right? We are not homesteaders. We don't categorize ourselves as that, although we respect anyone who's growing food on any level. Um, what have you noticed over these last 14 years in the homesteading movement? What are some things that you have recognized either good or bad that have kind of evolved over time yeah it has been so fascinating to watch it explode never (laughs) thought that was going to happen like ever um and it's been fun to be joined by more people it's it's funny to see the people around me even in my personal circles who you know 14 years ago they were pretty denigrating about the lifestyle like in a politically correct way like oh honey why are you getting chickens like you know how hard a milk cow is, right? And now they're like, hey, Jill, how do I feed my sourdough starter? Hey, Jill, what's the best breed of chicken? And I'm like, you know, s- secretly thinking, I forgive you. Also, I'll give you help because I'm right. a nice person. But it's, it's funny and entertaining to see that come full circle. Um, so I love that part of it. I love that, it, that people are returning to the roots. I get messages, you know, every day, like I moved to the country. I feel so much more free or I figured out how to cut up a chicken and I am like on top of the world and I'm growing vegetables in my backyard and I, mm. my life is changing. Like, I love it. There's also, to everything, there's also a flip side. And I think one of the things that is a concern to me right now, as this, this movement gains popularity, you know, with any trend, sometimes things get skewed. And, and one thing I'm a little bit worried about right now is that homesteading is becoming a little bit of a caricature of, mm-hmm. of what it actually is. And so mm-hmm. I actually did a podcast episode about this recently, and I, I was really scared to push publish because I'm like, <laughs> this is probably going to make people really angry at me. But, you know, there's this movement, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have come across this because they're really popular accounts and they're beautiful. They are stunning of, you know, beautiful women in beautiful gowns, in beautiful kitchens, cooking beautiful food, and there's soft music in the background and fresh flowers. And I like watching it because it's like, man, that's aspirational. But um, I like to remind people it's, it's good to be inspired, but also know that that's not always real life. In fact, it's mm-hmm. rarely real life. And so if you can't have that or you can't recreate that, or you have a day when you're making your sourdough bread and the kids are running through the kitchen with snotty noses screaming and the dog's under your foot and you almost fall down and there's clutter all over your cabinets, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's still a worthwhile pursuit and it's still valuable, even if it doesn't look like the pictures on Instagram. And so I think, you know, to everything, there are good and bad, there's pros and cons. And I think we just have to be balanced as we become more enamored with homesteading and old fashioned living, make sure we understand the realities of it on all the sites. Yeah. Do you remember the show Dirty Jobs? It was like Mike Rowe. Yeah. Remember this show? I love I that mean, show. I never yeah. watched it. Oh, well, so Jill's a fan. Yeah. I used to love that I am show. A fan. And it's, it's just, <laughs> yep. and, and something about that for me is 
it, the reason why that show did so well is it's the opposite of what you said, like, right. And there's so much that's going on out there in the world right now where people are trying to take something that is like hard work mm-hmm. and, yeah. and look somehow looking successful means it looks easy. I think, I think that's kind of what we're getting at. Right. It's yeah. like, I'm in this beautiful dress. It's not dirty. Right. I'm in this yeah. beautiful kitchen. It's not dirty. Right. And my kids are only shown and somehow we're missing some of the dirty jobs of it. And I don't know, part, part of me is like, where's those accounts, right? Where's the accounts of, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, and, and I apologize. Maybe Jill Winger is this account. I haven't, I haven't gone in <laughs> and creeped enough apparently, but the, the, um, I, I'm, I'm bad at social media, I guess is what I'm alluding to. That's a good thing to be bad at. Good for the, you. The dirty <laughs> jobs, right? As a kid, it was like, man, I think I want to go work at, you know, a, a waste management facility. It's like, no, you don't. But like, these people are out there getting after it with like at the dumps where it was like this yeah. and Mike Rode go out there and like the TV show is him working yeah. in the, in, 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 in the thick of it. And I feel like um, it's, it's, it's interesting how culture has changed. It's not just in homesteading. It's like, it's all professions, right? If I have an office yeah. job, they don't show me like typing for four hours. It's like, I'm in this really cool meeting and I'm like, or like, or, or I'm, I'm, you know, traveling. Mm. Like I'm not going to post pictures of myself, um, you know, stuck at my desk. I'm going to post yeah. pictures or of myself bored with nothing getting on a plane to go to, you know, LA cause I have this big meeting or something. Right. You know what I mean? yeah. So it, it's, 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 it's an interesting concept. That thing you just said about how we're constantly trying to make success look easy, I think yeah. is really like I want to put a pin there because I think that's huge and I, it's just like dawning on me as we're talking. I think that that is we're doing that everywhere. We're doing that like your parenting only looks easy or it's only successful if it looks easy. It's only like really gentle and kind and then it's like successful, which nothing against gentle parenting. I don't, I don't know, but like do you see what I'm saying? My kids never act out. Yeah. And I don't have to be stern with them. I never yell. Yes. Like these I sorts of things. Race. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, like, listen. You're right. Your your job though, uh, we talked about before we hit record, you know, the, the concept of homemaker is trending right along that homestead, yes, right? Yes, And yes. again, beautiful. This is what I love. This is what I will say. And it's like echoing what you said, Jill. I love that we are highlighting some of these roles because there's real value there. Like people actually do feel more connected and more fulfilled. I believe that wholeheartedly. But you have to decipher between an account that is truly inspirational or when it starts to creep into that coveting, that comparison Mm -hmm. role, then you got to step away. Because if you, because I have accounts where I'm like, uh, I know this person's heart. I think that their home is like so adorable and they do a fantastic job and I'll binge their YouTube videos all day, but I don't ever feel an ounce of comparison because I know that person. Yes. And then there are accounts where I don't really know them on a personal level, but they're so idyllic that I leave that account feeling like, oh my gosh, that was beautiful. I feel bad about my life, you know? Mm. Yeah. And so yeah. we have to like really be careful and split hairs when you're talking about how you're using the internet or social media or YouTube or any of that. Um, because I, that's a trap I fall into. I don't know if guys face the same thing. I think but. we do, you know, right. But the, the a question to pose to the group here is what do we find inspiring today? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it depends on the person. And I also, it's, this is such a nuanced conversation on so many levels because I also think, you know, 
in our culture. And I, I mean, I speaking for myself, there's time there are just like you, Liz said, there's, t- there's times I come across accounts that I'm like, I am so inspired by this person living the next level up from where I'm at. But then there's other accounts where I'm like, I, this is too much for me in my current state of my own insecurities. <laughs> like I can't yes. do this. It's making me feel like crap. Yes. So I, you know, unfollow. And it's not necessarily a statement about that influencer. It's that's more a statement on me. So it's this tricky thing. Like just because I feel triggered by someone doesn't mean it's their mm-hmm. fault, but also how can we as creators be transparent? So there's all these different levels mm. and I don't know. I, fi- I think, I don't know. That's a good question, Joy. Like what do we find inspiring? I, I think that's such a personal mm-hmm. quest. I know for me, I like, I like to see real life. I also like to see people achieving things that I hope to achieve one day. Cause it gives me yeah. hope. Yeah. But I like to see all, I like to see the behind the scenes too. Like, yeah. it's funny, you were talking about the, the always showing the ease and, and the uh, fun parts of like business. And I, I figured that out a number of years ago when I first started making a living online. Yeah. And I was following all these online entrepreneurs and they'd be like, laptop live, hashtag. And they're sitting on the beach with their laptop. And I'm like, after I'm like, my hair is sticking up and I'm wearing dirty sweatshirts and like pounding out this course and trying to launch it and everything's oh breaking God. and everyone's yelling at me. And I'm like, that is not real. I thought, it, I thought it was real and that is not real. And that's, I think, true, of course, across all these different niches is that it's easier and it's more fun to portray the, the final product. But how can we help our audience understand there's a lot more to it? I think is the yes. question. I will never forget. I... I'm very new and I don't even call myself an entrepreneur, but I'm very new in this like online creating space. It's only been two years and um, I just was having a really down week and Joey was like, you realize that those moments where you're like, things are working in stride and you're hitting your marks and these are like really amazing, exciting opportunities are literally 10% of the business owner journey. 10%. That's it. If that. If that, and the other 90% is repetition, continual, you know, doubt if you're Liz Hazelmeyer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I don't think Joey deals with that as much. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Continual, just like work and, um, really, and he always tells me to embrace the suck. Right. And and it's just like that 90% is so overshadowing in our own heads like we feel that but when you look online it's not it's not represented that way think about the memories that we've made right in in parenting journeys in marital journeys in home life career life spiritual life any of this stuff right you don't look back on the man things are just going really well at that point i really developed and grew or like that was really pivotal in my life like that, that that changed me you're not doing that you're like Man, the, you know, 30 minutes before we jumped on this podcast with Jill Winger right now, glass was breaking, like <laughs> yeah. there was, there was like stuff yeah. tipping over and we're like moving stuff around getting our kids squared away. You know, we're going to look back on these times and be like, man, those were the days that we were working really hard, way too many hours and yep. also finding time to rest and keep our family together. And man, was that worth it, mm. right? It's just, yeah. you never, th- the inspiring thing I've been thinking a lot about, so that's why I brought it up. So I feel like I cheated by saying that. But anyways, yeah, I did think totally about it. you totally set yourself up for success. Kind of <laughs> did, right? No, but so for me, it's, it's it, I guess you got to really be careful. It's so easy to dive into inspiration and eventually become, like it, it, can, it can teeter. There's a, there's a fine line of, and Jill, you really did kind of touch on this. So, you know, you picked it up quicker than I did. But there's this fine line of I'm inspired and I'm motivated and I can find uh, methods that I can learn from 
right? I can take and apply yeah. this concept to my life. Hey, so-and-so is running this much. Why can't I, mm-hmm. right? So-and-so is lifting and running and utilizing these methods and tactics. That person's ahead of me. I think it's always good to have people ahead of you. You don't ever want to sit yourself in a room yes. where you, only, you can only go down, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. the, the um, I wanted to say this because I'm not demonizing the pretty Instagrams. I think I think I wanted to, to kind of go back to that and say, listen, yes. um, creativity, let it go. It's awesome. I love it. Yes. However, where there's a dangerous line is this is easy. It doesn't take hard work. It's mm. it's I'm I can look at and appreciate content that people are making, especially as a fellow content creator, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not really the creative, yep. but I'm I'm more of like the I don't know, I don't know what you'd call me. But I can look at that content and say, Man, I I recognize the hard work that went into that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And how can I also be at a level, I think Jill, you even said this, right? Man, this person's a little bit ahead of me and like, I'd like to be there. Or this person's like, you know, Mr. Beast, they've got like the film crew, the, the you know, 200,000 square foot warehouse. And I'm not, that's not us, right? We're not, I'm not Mr. Right. Beast. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> a basement with fluorescent lighting and webcam, <laughs> right? So, totally, totally. Um, but uh, I think, I think it can be very valuable to seek out inspiration as long as you yourself are looking at it and trying to draw nuggets of inspiration that apply to you. Uh-huh. As soon as you become that, that other side of that line of, um, man, it can become demoralizing. It can become yeah. this like desire where you're like, it becomes this dopamine effect where you're, you're trying to escape your current reality based off of somebody else's success. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes kind of dangerous, I think. So, yeah. So I think, I think it goes, Oh, go ahead. No, you it, go it ahead. Off. Um, I, I think of that saying, I don't know who started saying it, but you're the average of the five people you spend time around mm-hmm. the most. And I think about that all the time and I live in a really isolated place. So I don't spend, I mean, I spend a lot of time around my, my husband and my kids and my uh, employees, but I, that's like kind of the bulk of my social group with a few exceptions. So I'm, I'm always thinking like, I think for the, for me, that's the five podcasts I listen to the most, wow. the books I'm listening or I'm reading the most, the accounts I'm following. And I feel like those have really big influences on me. And like you said, Joey, if, if you're the smartest person in the room all the time, then get it. You need to be in a different room. Like that's big fish. Little pond is not a dynamic that inspires any of us to grow. And so I think we do need to be exposed to other people's lives. We're like, man, they have stuff figured out that I don't. Maybe I should figure some things out. And I, I know um, on my entrepreneurial journey, anytime I've attended an event or a mastermind where I am the lowest earning member of the group, it lights me on fire. And yeah. I come home not jealous or angry, but like I can do so much more and there's so much more out there that I'm capable of and I have all these ideas. And so those exposures are good. It's just, you know, if I, I'm not going to go hang out with the Elon Musk crowd because I can't relate to that level of of success or business ownership, but I love hanging out with other successful online entrepreneurs or other successful authors. And like, that's that one step up that I'm like, heck yes, I can do this. So I I think it's a lot of balance there. That's Mm. a great point. I love that. I love that you said you're the, you know, what five podcasts am I listening to or books or Mm -hmm. like Instagram accounts? Because yeah, I think we should rope that into people. Those are people we're listening Mm -hmm. and gaining information from, even if we're not, even if it's one way and they're speaking to us through a podcast and we're not necessarily speaking to them. That's really good. I I always say like, I'm pretty sensitive to the media I consume. And so I like, I have to be really careful. Like I don't watch scary movies and I don't (laughs) consume news media. And I, I, I just have to protect my heart a little bit there because I'm very 
like influenced by it yeah. in a negative way. And so I think that's really good. Even thinking about content you're consuming online. Um, I, I really want to jump into some of the ways that you have successfully broken from what I will call, you know, industrial living, the thing we kind of talked about earlier, right? Obviously being on land and being connected to, to that is, is breaking from it. But what other ways maybe has your thought process changed over the years? Or have you kind of seen mm. things in a new light as far as how you were raised versus how you're living and raising your kids now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it is, it has been this process of just, I feel like peeling back the layers of industrialism. And, you know, you were talking earlier about this idea that we just live in boxes and we all have our own boxes and that's just what we accept. And I think for me, homesteading, the, the very best part of it has been inviting me to ask questions, especially the question, why? Mm. Why do we do it like this? Why does everyone say this is the way it is? Um, do I have to continue in this path? Like, why does our, is our food system like this? Why is our nine to five employment job system like this? Why is our public education system like this? Like peeling that back, when you start to ask those questions, you realize it's not as set in stone as they would have you believe. And you have a lot more liberty to think differently and think outside the box and really craft your own reality. Um, even though we are somewhat limited by the systems we're in, you know, we can't just like create our own sovereign nation not feasible for most of us. So we, we're still within this system, but we can break out within that. And so homesteading has been this whole awakening bit by bit. Uh, for me, it started with food. And we had such a great conversation when you came on my podcast talking about food strategies. And um, I love your philosophy around food. And that was the first step, I think, that invited me to think differently, that gave mm -hmm. me permission to not just fall in line like every other person and buy the same things and live the same way and struggle with the same health problems. It gave me more autonomy. And then that crept into all the other areas of, you know, our health and, and what medicines we're using, um, how we're parenting our children, how we make a living, how I think about my rates of consumption as like a consumer, consumer culture, like what does that mean and why am I consuming the way I've been told to consume? Um, how I connect with nature. We're so disconnected from nature in our modern culture. I didn't even realize it. Like I, I didn't even understand how far removed I was from these natural cycles that keep us human. And homesteading was just that first step. Mm, I love that. Um, I, I want to go back to something you just said, and now it just escaped my mind. I was going to ask you another question. I was thinking, I saw this. So you put a post up today and it was about like glucose, these sorts of things. And there was a comment on there that this is what I'm bringing, it's coming to mind. And it was, oh man, just another thing that I have to worry about. Yeah, I saw that. And it was, it was like, it was like this feeling of defeat and just, oh, like, man, I just don't want to have to worry about more. And, and it, it, if I zoom out of that, here's the picture I'm painting with the little information I have of this person. I'm sure this person's killing it in life. But like my mm -hmm. thought was, man, there are people out there that look at, at, right? Like we were just talking about this, the inspiration, the content, the education, whatever it is that we're putting out for people to help them. Right. And we see it that way. And they're like, man, that's just another thing I have to worry about. Yeah. And it, it, you know, the response to that was, man, data is fulfilling for me. It's, it's energizing. But for me, but for other people, it might not be, but yes, you know, my, my thought is under, having, a, you know, an education understanding of your reality like I feel like we all, we all have 100%, and we're 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 putting our our like focus of 100%, and we're dividing those chips up into different areas of our life, 
the capacity is not changing. It's just yeah. where we're putting those chips. Yeah. And so if we say, hey, we want to worry about our health in different ways or think about our health in different ways, you're taking those chips for something else. And where are you taking them from? Are you taking them from, you know, I got to, you know, I'm keeping track of my, I don't know. Um, Honestly, I, it's what Jill was just talking about. Are you taking it from, hey, I'm just, this is how I was raised. And so this is what I'm going to do. And then you're continuing on yeah. these same cycles. Or are you breaking from that and dedicating your time and energy to learn something new and ask hard questions? Because right? of, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's sometimes it's these disciplines that make life, I feel like a little bit easier, Maybe a little bit more, f- you feel a little free, a little more free. Yes. And it's yes. like, if you are practicing disciplines that are keeping you in line with what we would call healthier or what I would identify as being more nourished, right? It sets you up to be more free with the choices you can make. Yeah. I'm yes. going to say something kind of controversial and say, you know, it, or I guess I'll pose it as a question. Is there a lot of the industrial lifestyle that allows us to ignore or take a more passive approach to some of everyday life and so when we step away from that we are welcoming hard work we are welcoming mental challenge because we're asking constantly Mm. and so it's that piece that it's the same thing of the girl who's like oh another thing to think about you know you're right something new is always going to be hard work at first right at first and as it kind of yeah and it's i love that saying this triggers some people when i post it choose your hard like it's mm. hard oh, love it. to think about your diet and maybe monitor your glucose. Also, I was intrigued by that post. I was like researching that <laughs> company after you posted about it. So I'm like, I need to do this. Um, that's hard in its own right. It's also hard to have out of whack blood sugar and the health problems, sometimes very totally. serious ones that come with it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to cook from scratch. It takes more effort. It's also hard to pay more for processed food that doesn't make you feel good, that hurts you in the long run and, and costs a lot more in the grocery store, especially these days. And so it's that element of where are you going to put your energy? And you were right when you said industrial culture invites us to be passive. It's mm. built to keep us, keep us as passive as possible. Mm. Um, and when we choose those passive choices, it then insulates us from the consequences of those choices. Mm. And I think shaking that up will change your life. When people are willing to shake that up, and do the hard thing up front, man, life just, I wouldn't say it gets, it gets easier in a way. It's harder up front, but it gets easier in the long run. Or it's easy now and it's harder later. I guess people get to choose. So you said it insulates us from those consequences. I really like that. Expand upon that a little bit. Yeah. So I think I, I, th- I talk about food a lot, right? Because it, it's just the building blocks of everything. It's three right. times a day or more we're associating with food and it's the, the blocks of our bodies. Um, what we're made out of. But, you know, when we, we, we take the industrial route and just, just before I go into my little sermon here, people know, if you follow me, I eat convenience food. Sometimes we don't have a perfect diet. I am not a purist. So like there are times when we will grab a fast food burger. There are times when I have potato chips in my cabinet, like do, you know, there's balance here. So this is not me saying it's perfection all the time, but when we choose those industrial choices, which are designed um, to be easy and we don't have to think about our food and just someone else deals with it, then we end up having health effects. Here, this is one example. And then we have the pharmaceutical uh, companies coming in and going, don't worry, you don't have to deal with the consequences of 30 years of poor choices. We'll fix it for you. So you can mm-hmm. keep being passive and you can continue to not actually think about it and not actually take 
the personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is not a popular topic in our culture today, but it's really <laughs> the essence of all, all the things. And it's much harder at the beginning. Um, I also think about we live in this culture of dis disconnection and we're, we're in our houses, we're not in, in tune with our circadian rhythms, we're exposed to junk light, we're on our, our technology and our screens, uh, we're not using our hands, we're not creating, and as a result, depression is through the roof. So instead of saying, you know what, I know there's lots of causes of depression and, you know, talk to your doctor, do all the, that's a standard disclaimer, right? But like, instead of going, you know what, what if you could take more control of your life and you could go outside, you could put your hands in the soil, you could get some vitamin D, you could move your body, you could create something and then you can affect your mood and you can affect how you're moving through your day. We go, don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing. I got a drug for you. Mm. Like, don't, don't think about your choices. And I, I feel like we don't even realize it. We're just moving along this conveyor belt of consumerism and mm. it's killing us. I think so. Um, love that. And we put our, all of these conveniences are tools for us. And this self-responsibility thing is, is a major factor, not even just in nourishment, but in health and parenting and in everything. Right. And yeah. there's a, Convenient food you can serve your kids is, that'll save you from having to cook food from scratch. There are conveniences for I'm not feeling great. I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the doctor, and you can use all of those things as tools in your life. But you're in, if people felt more in control, I think that's like the first place to start. And sometimes it's yeah. understanding what these things do for us and how they can help us and how they can hurt us. Like I, I, that's why, you know, if we, if you kind of tie a bow on this whole conversation, this post today and man, I, now I got to worry about my glucose. It's like, no, no, no. Now, if you understand your glucose, you can go around and make decisions. You can, you yes. can spike your blood, blood sugar. You just understand that it's happening Yes. and you understand what it does to you. It is yeah. okay. If you have chips in the house, you're not yeah. like, this is not going to kill you tomorrow. Okay. But you understand what those chips can do to you and that, you know what? Like I, I, I want our family to be more um, like sometimes our kids, if they get really anxious or tired, or they're not sleeping well, we'll go to like, hey, what have they been eating lately? Have they been getting proper meals in? You know, what about the blue light that they're experiencing? Should we turn the lights off a little bit earlier? Like, like we have things that we can fall back on that we can use to take control of the situation and a problem. Mm -hmm. When a problem ar arises we can go to the tools that we have at our, at our disposal and use them. Mm -hmm. And if one of those tools have to be the doctor, good. Yeah. Cause totally. they can help. Yep. They have things that can help. If we need to go to a pharmaceutical to help, those are tools at our disposal. But if, if whenever we encounter a challenge or a problem, we have to resort to the ultimate convenience or we like, we feel powerless. That's when I feel like yeah. problems come up. Yeah. I agree. For sure. And that's what I was going to say is like the moment you start to feel like I have no other option, but mm. you're blank. No other option, but is a, is a, just, it will happen. It's so yeah. hard, but yeah. let's, be there. let's exhaust everything else before we get there. Yeah. I don't but like that feeling. And, and we are, I am there sometimes in certain parts of our life, you know, you get that it just, it is what it is, but man, I avoid that, that conundrum at all costs. Cause it is yeah. that powerless feeling is not a good feeling. I don't like it. I know. I, I agree. And sometimes all you need is someone to tell you there's another way, right? It, yes. You might, there might be five other ways and you don't know which one to pick yet, but yeah. very rarely 
are you truly backed into a corner? It might just be that, hey, you're going to have an educational gap you got to bridge before you can problem solve. You're going to have a relational gap you need to bridge. You need to get in community with other people who are doing this so that you know what to do. I'll often, I, I see that with homeschooling all the time. I don't have yeah. any other option but to send my kids mm-hmm. to public school, which is like, which is, is fine for the families who are like, no, I feel called to the public school system. But I'm talking about the parent that's like, I don't like my current public school, but I don't have another option. The one that's like discontent, yeah. right? Yes, well, they feel community. it. Yeah, yeah. That's a community gap, probably, or yeah. an educational gap, or both, right? There can be so yeah. many Ad- things. Another great example of this would be look at a first time parent versus I've just had my fourth kid, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. Think about yes. how they deal with challenges. Like Jimmy just fell down one step and we're like rushing Jimmy to the <laughs> hospital because he's crying. Yeah. And it's like, Jimmy's fine. Okay. Jimmy's and then fine. like, yeah. you know, third kid, you know, Ed falls down the stairs and you're like, get up, you know, like yeah. long way from your heart. Shake it up. Dust it off. You're <laughs> good. It's, you're good. Right. And like, you know, oh, like up in the night crying and, and you're going in the room and you're worried. Like, I think something's wrong. It, what You start to identify challenges of parenting differently once you have things to fall back on solutions you've learned and sometimes learnings are making mistakes that's just how life goes oh, right sure. yeah. and so um but I, I don't know i think it's, it's just a funny thing every single first time parent i feel like most at least they fall into this category of like um everything is because they don't have those learnings to fall back on so they don't yeah. have those learnings but you go ahead sorry sorry um, but it go, it's awesome for full circle because in order to get the learning and in order to not have a heart attack when your third born falls down a few stairs, um, <laughs> you have to go through the hard parts, the uncertainty. You have to figure mm. it out. You have to trial and error. You have to make some mistakes. We've all made the parenting mistakes. And if we try to avoid that discomfort, we'll never get to the good part on the other side. So it's that mm. hard. It's a hard thing again, doing the hard thing, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out the first time parent foibles, which we've all been there. I like parenting my third and my second way more than my first. It was just feels felt much more doable. Yeah, I agree. We have three kids too. And I, it's, it's crazy. Even just like the years as your, as your kids age, you know, you just feel yeah. like, why do I all of a sudden like not have constant anxiety about my parenting choices? Oh yeah. Cause we've been in this for like over a decade. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yep. Like it, yep. we've put in some time here. Um, yeah. Speaking of parenting, I, two things come to mind. One, um, I know you talk about like resiliency and I'm really interested if there's any like practical things you do with your kids talking about responsibility and being resilient, how you're communicating some of these ideals to your children, because that's a big thing that Joey and I are constantly kind of talking about. How can we set them up for success as adults? Because we want to be around them when they're adults and we want them to be highly functioning. But you know, so what are some of the ways that you're instilling some of this stuff in your kids? Yeah, good question. I feel like it's a moving target for me. And I, mm. I am like the furthest thing from a parenting expert on the planet. So a lot of times I do it poorly and then I figure out like, okay, I could have done that better. I was hovering a little bit and then I adjust. So everything I'm saying, just so people know, I have not figured this all out. But some of the things we have done and we continue to do that really help our kids and help our life be more manageable. Um, I'm a huge fan of autonomy and letting the kids have high levels of responsibility because our culture has really stripped responsibility from children. We're like, you don't get to, you don't need to do anything important until you're 18. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden off you go, little baby bird, don't fall. And, and then no wonder the kids are like failure to launch, right? Cause they've had no transition. Um, so 
high levels of responsibility for us. The homestead just lends itself well to that, but it's really doable no matter where you live. You don't have to live on a farm. Um, you know, I have my different children have managed different parts of our barn and our chicken coop and our animals since they were very young, like six, six years old. And it was kind of do or die. Like we're there to make sure nothing goes horribly wrong and no one gets hurt and nothing, you know, the, the barn doesn't burn down, but it's on you kid. Like you figure it out. Like I'm going to let you fail a little bit. I'm going to let you fall on your face. I'm going to let you try some things that don't work. And I know they're not going to work, but I'm going to let you see what that consequence is. And then it's hard. It's like the hardest thing I've ever done as a mom, because you want to jump in and either rescue them or make it easier or just make it faster. Cause it's annoying you. Right. Like you just want to yep. get in there and, and fix it up. And I used to do that a lot in the early years and I've learned keep your mouth shut, Jill, let them make the mistake, let them figure it out. And it just, it goes so much better if I'm not micromanaging. And so I learned that when I can have the discipline to do that, the kid is more confident and capable. My life is better because they actually learn how to do things. And it's also setting them up for, to be a stronger, more wise adult. And so mm. again, it's not, there's not a formula. I don't know of a formula because kids are all different. Situations are all different, but I know that the more I stand back and let them figure things out. And I kind of trust their ability and all kids are different. So you got to feel out your kid, right? Um, really good things happen. And you know, they're, they do a lot to keep our life running. They help in our businesses. My 12 year old has been helping at our little restaurant now for, uh, almost two years. And wow. she can, I mean, she can run the front by herself and people walk wow. in and they're like, what's going on? Like she knows she greets them and she, she's taking orders and she's running the cash register. Like kids are capable. We mm. just don't let them have that opportunity as much as we should in this modern world. I love that. I think that that's so cool. And I totally can see some of that. I think Joey often is like, he, he repeats these phrases, right? And one of them is like, we should be appropriately challenging our kids. Yeah. You know, age appropriately challenging our kids. And I think that sometimes in motherhood culture right now, there's like this obsession with like, let mitigate childhood stress and, and keep everything really calm. And um, I'm not saying like be chaotic with your kids, but there's almost like, I feel like as this current generation is hyper-focused on maybe our own childhood quote trauma, right? That yes. we're kind of dealing with. Then we're now looking at our kids that are really young. We're overcompensating. We're overcompensating. We totally, we're we're yeah. saying like, hey, we need to really like ease the stress here and really keep things simple and calm for them. And it's like, there's actually like stress-free childhood actually isn't the goal because no. stress makes you grow, right? Like you grow yes. under stress. It's the same reason why like working out, people are always like, oh, cardio, it stresses you out too much. Yeah, if you're running for like four hours, like Joey, no offense, you know, marathon runner <laughs> over here, but like right. um, if there's a, there's, a, there's a principle where your body is actually practicing how to cope in a stressful environment when it's under like physical stress so yes. doing cardio is like actually not bad as long as it's in the correct parameters appropriate amounts of stress right, right. appropriate yes. amounts of stress and so it's the same thing with your kids right and sometimes people might look at you a little side-eyed like what are you doing jill you're <laughs> Uh, oh so for fun. sure i get the uh, looks i get the looks i hate going to playgrounds because i'm like <laughs> i let them on the slide and i'm not like because they're older right they're not two and i'm like not spotting them and the, the other moms are like having a, a panic attack and i'm like i know you're judging me i don't care i'm like i'm trying not to care like just don't look at me but yeah it's hard it's it's not always easy to, to be the the weird mom 
it's countercultural. Another thing it's I noticed, because so we actually do have a two-year-old who I actually kind of let just run free because she's highly yeah. physically capable. Yes. Um, now, if she's climbing on something tall, I'll be stand under her. But sure. there's also this, I notice it all the time. I'm very silent at the park. I just sit and observe. And there's other parents who never stop talking to their kids. Have yes. you noticed this? And it exhausts kinda, me. It, it exhausts, exhausts me. me. Same. And so I'm just listening. Did Jamie, you notice it the other be careful, night? Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. Where, Jamie, stay with your sister up there. No, no. She's going the other way. Even it's if it's like, praise. It's like, oh, good yes. job. Good oh, my job, gosh. Good job. Yeah. And I read this fantastic book called Hunt, Gather, Parent. And to be honest, I only mm. read the, you know, two thirds of it. I didn't read the final third. But it was so good. And it talked about this concept of like, hey, um, parents in these hunter-gatherer cultures, like today, modern life, don't have this constant dialogue with their kids because they know that their words mean more when they speak less. And that has blown my mind. And so I'll be at the park and it's just so loud with these parents saying useless information. You know, I'm not saying you can't ever, like, I was like, Ruth, you did something cool. And I was like, that was awesome, Ruth. Like, good job. Sure. But it wasn't sure. continual. And it's like, continu- it's the same thing of like, make sure they're constantly affirmed, lessen their stress. But this episode's bound to ruffle some feathers, I'm sure. We're going to ruffle. Just, we're going to ruffle. We're going <laughs> to ruffle. I love this. I love gaining your perspective on this because I feel like we align on some of these things and not a lot of people are probably brave enough to talk about them. So... And what I see is in modern mom culture, moms are exhausted. And I I feel like there's this, you know, this unspoken expectation is that you never let them out of your sight. They're perfectly safe. They're perfectly Mm. affirmed. They're perfectly entertained. They're perfectly dressed. They're never dirty. And I'm like, good Lord, stop it. Like that is not realistic. Number one, it's not historically normal. And no wonder these moms are burned out and miserable. And I, you know, I'm like, that's where I love to, you know, old fashioned parenting, not all of it was great. Like there was some things that was like, that's sketchy, but <laughs> look at, you know, look at like those hunter gatherer cultures. Um, they had it figured out of just like, let the kids be, let them figure it out. Let them do dangerous things within reason. There's actually studies that back that up. Kids who do dangerous things, play with sharp objects within reason, ride fast on their bikes, play on heights within reason. They're actually safer long-term because they've developed self-preservation and judgment Mm -hmm. skills. And so when I see these moms who are just like, you know, exhausted and tired, I'm like, stop. You don't have to live up to those expectations. Like you are allowed as an adult to say, Jimmy, mommy is doing adult things. Now you can go play on the floor with your toys by yourself and you will be okay. And I am not going to play Legos with you 24 hours a day because I am an adult and it's Mm -hmm. okay. Like it's that's healthy and normal. And I wish our culture would just like knock it off that that's, you know, bad parenting. If we're, if we're creating those separations sometimes. Mm. Where's this coming from? Right. This, this like, is there, is there a picturesque, you know, mass understanding of this is the best or the perfect mom is where's that coming from? Uh, like a general motherhood culture. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause it's, it is Jill, what you're saying, like it's everywhere and moms yeah. are exhausted. They're overworked. They're overwhelmed. And, and and I'm kind of like, but for, from what? I find it odd that like the modern day mother probably has less kids, has more everyday convenience, and yet she is more unhappy and more unsatisfied in her everyday that's life. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is that yes? What is it that's taking taking them over the edge? And I think it's this this um, expectation to, I mean, 
they're working themselves to death. It's like it's it doesn't like the 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 tiredness is real. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. yeah. The emotional exhaustion is real. I I think it's a child centered view of life versus maybe yeah. a family or home centered. Mm. I yes. actually like wrote my master's thesis on this whole concept, and for me, I I am always torn between you know oh am I spending every hour or three hours of my afternoon on the floor playing with my two-year-old first of all she doesn't even want that because like she plays with me and then she's like I gotta go with my sisters I'm out you know um and I think like okay I'm a woman who has access to now a dishwasher a car that can drive me anywhere in five minutes or less um a a um laundry machine why am I thinking a washing machine (laughs) a dryer (laughs) Um, a blender, like so many modern day conveniences that I get to save so much time utilizing, right? And so if I were transported 200 years ago or 500 years ago or whatever, um, I wouldn't have all of those, but yeah, I would still be expected to rear my kids, right? And there's all their cultural stuff. Like we had maybe a larger community or village around us, or we had people in the home helping us raise our kids or there's all kinds of different waves of parenthood that society has, you know, gone through. But right now, this modern hyper-focusing on the child, even the child's every interest, honestly. Yes. Um, yes. It, it kind of, this is why I totally resonate with moms who are like, I lost myself in motherhood. Yes. Because they yes. literally did. And it's almost society's expectation to lose yourself in motherhood, at least for the first couple of years, because you got to spend every moment. And for me, I'm like, it's one of those things that has to be balanced. I can, I will be the first to say there. Sometimes I work too much. There are sometimes I am too distracted for things that don't matter. Even this morning on the couch, I'm sitting there like playing with Ray as she woke up and like tickling and she's like laughing. And I'm just like, I have so much work I have to do, but none of that matters. Like, I just yeah. need to be right here in this moment with her. But um, I do think on the flip side of that, for me to say like, oh, I should never work. I should never pursue my passions. I should never host a podcast. I should never spend any time away from my kids or I should never, you know, whatever you want to fill in the blank um, yes. also isn't accurate. And, you know, I'm curious for you, Jill, how you balance that because you've got a lot going on. You've got the soda fountain. You've got your beef co, um, your genuine beef co company. You've got your house. Like you've got so many spinning plates, right? You're a high capacity person. How do you balance that with also your role as a mom? Yeah. It's a, it's a moving target for me and it's changed a lot as my kids have gotten older. So I have a uh, almost 13 year old, a 10 and a seven year old. So it's, I'm in a different stage of parenthood. Although when we started homesteading babies, it was, I mean, all my babies have been yeah. born here in the middle of it. So I, I would say just to speak briefly to what you said about moms losing themselves, I feel so strongly as well when I hear moms say that. And I relate so much because I, I truly think our homestead was in its fledgling stages when I had our first child. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't had the outlet of being able to take the baby outside, I had a, I'd put my pack and play in the barn because it would be cool and there'd be a cross breeze and I would let her sleep and I would ride my horse and I would work and clean pens. If I hadn't had that outlet, I don't know where I would be because I was starting to lose my mind. And in the house, the four walls were closing in. I would clean, like my mom would call me. She'd be like, what are you doing, Jill? I'm like, I'm cleaning. She's like, you were cleaning yesterday. I'm like, I'm cleaning again. I got like almost obsessive compulsive over like 
things that were not important because I didn't have enough to do. I, I was losing myself. And so the homestead pulled me out and gave me purpose. And so it was important then, and it was messy and imperfect because you're packing toddlers and newborns outside the garden. It's not picturesque mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily peaceful, but at least it gave me something to do. And so having the kids with us from the beginning, um, it taught them that they can be patient and the world doesn't revolve around them all the time. And also that they have an important real world role in what we do. And so we've carried that forward as they've gotten older. Um, and so they're very much involved in all of our crazy businesses. And I think that's part of the beauty. And it also is part of the efficiency is that, um, they're, they're helping and not all the time. Like they're still kids. Like today they're in, they're playing chess today and they're not doing anything in the businesses. They're on this chess kick and they play on the trampoline. And so they have lots of time where they're just running free, um, after we get done with our schoolwork in the mornings or, or whatever, but having them come alongside is now kind of our, our, our superpower. It enables us to do all the things they're getting that exposure into real world skills and problem solving. And they hear me and my husband talk about dealing with employee issues or, you know, shipping issues or this broke and how are we going to fix it? And so, um, there, like you said, there's days I still work too much and there are days I'm distracted and I'm grumpy because something went wrong and I, you know, I might snap at them. So it's not like this perfect idyllic world all the time, but man, I wouldn't trade it like to have mm -hmm. them front and center to all that met the messiness and the beauty and the excitement. I think it's, it's really valuable. So um, balance, I, I think sometimes is a myth. Sometimes yeah. there's seasons mm -hmm. where we're, we're more heavy on homesteading or more heavy on the restaurant or more heavy on the beef. Uh, I just got done writing a book. So I'm like, was really heavy on just sitting in this desk, pounding on my keyboard. So I don't try to balance it all perfectly all the time, but I, I really do try to respect seasons. Mm. So, so now this is only two data sets, right? Right. We've got Jill, we've got, you know, you, Elizabeth, but the common theme between the two of you is that you have something that, I mean, and, and Jill, using your words, I had something to do, right? There was, yeah. you had a job, you had something. An outlet. I like that you said you an had, outlet. You had responsibility beyond kids. Um, yeah. and, and all moms have responsibility beyond kids. But your house is a great example. <clears throat> your house is a responsibility yeah. beyond your child. Uh, but like, and yeah, your spouse. But even beyond right? that, right? Because like homes can be... I feel like kind of child centered sometimes. Intermixed. Okay. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. I think in, in these two data sets there was, you know, the the homestead, the farm, the the garden, the the animals that had to be tended to. And it yeah. put the kids in a place of, oh, there's other priorities beyond me. And it put mom, put Jill, put Elizabeth in a situation where I have priorities in addition to you. And it yeah. sounds like right, everyone's got 100% capacity. Some people are higher capacity than the people that that's real, right? But we've, we've all got a hundred chips to play. And if we're putting all hundred chips on the kid, you're going to be just as exhausted as the person that's putting 50 of the chips on the kid and yes. 30 chips on the, on the garden and 20 chips on the, the cows. Right. Yeah. And they both end the day, both same exhausted. And one mom looks at the other mom and says, I have no idea how you have a garden. I could never do what you do. <laughs> And I constantly look at those situations and I'm like, you don't know how to do it because you're not doing it. Uh -huh. And if you were yeah. doing it, it's you, um, Elizabeth doesn't conjure up more time. She's not like, like, all right, now I've got an extra couple hours so I can you know, go downstairs and record the podcast. No, no, this is time where our kids recognize, hey, mom and dad have something that they have to do. And so now our 12-year-old knows there is something now that I have to do. Mm -hmm. And what she has to yeah. do is help us make sure that we can do what we have to do. Mm -hmm. It's just, yes. it's that is the system. And 
again, only two data sets, right? So this is like a mass sure. study. So I don't know if this is the real solution. But <laughs> yeah. in these in this situation, it seems like that um, that having something to do, uh, it sounds kind of rude saying it that way. No, no. I, I One, two things. Jill, I love that you said your kids recognize like their value in your overall life. Like yeah. they they walk around and they know we are an asset to mom and dad. Yep. We are not a liability. Mm. We are not a burden. We are an asset to mom and dad. It is a joy to be a part of this family. And we are working as a team together to get on our next thing. I love that. It's very much how I feel about my kids. Now, like you said, do we sometimes misplace our priorities in a daily basis? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll have a week that I'm just like, oh, I feel so off. What's going on? And then I'll Same. journal and I'll reevaluate and I'll say, you know, forget any social media engagement this week. We're just going to spend hours reading together because I need to reconnect yep. with my kids. You know, yeah, that's an extreme case. But like, I love that. And I also love that, like, we both have older kids like our oldest is 12 your oldest is you said 13 almost um, 13 yeah almost 13 so you know it's like it's not like we're talking about there's a different phase of life that we're in right we're not yes. talking about your six month postpartum life because if you're w listening to this and you're like oh man i just had a baby six months ago should i have a garden no you you probably unless no. yeah unless that's fulfilling and you want to strap your baby on you and you want to go outside and you want to grow three things maybe maybe some herbs and that's fulfilling for you but there are seasons of your life right and so one you have to identify Amen. what season of your life you're in but i know people that have tons of babies and they feel fulfillment in life outside of those babies even early on mm -hmm. and they're with their kids all day and they're homeschooling families and they're homesteading families and they still have fulfillment so i just think you you have to just assess like where your family is and then also ask yourself honestly as a woman where do my passions lie i'll never forget when joey looked at me and he was like you need a hobby <laughs> Because yeah. he would, he, I would get, I would, it would cause so much tension in our marriage because he would, he's a man of many interests, honestly. It's exhausting to this day, but like he would <laughs> go play soccer. He would be like uh, gaming with his buddies or he would, well, I don't know, what were your other interests? I don't even know. Fitness, running, all these things. And I would just feel resentment because I'd be like, I don't have any of yeah. that. And he would be like, maybe you should get some hobbies. Um, this is leading me to the question, Jill, you and your husband work together on many aspects, right? Many fronts. Um, what are some challenges and what are some really beautiful things that come out of that relationship? Hmm. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey because I started the blog when he was still working. I mean, he was working full time outside the home. I was a new stay at home mom. And yeah. it was my outlet. It was my hobby. Cause I was like, he gets to go to town every day and see people. And I don't, and I don't exactly. like this. So I need yeah. something to do and I don't have anyone to talk to. So I'm going to word vomit all my thoughts on this blog. So that was the, <laughs> everyone's like, give me the grand story of how the Prairie homestead was started. And I'm like, that's it. It was, it was this kind of begrudging thing, uh, but it turned into something beautiful. But so we started off very traditional. He's working outside the home. I'm at home being the mom. And then my blog and my businesses started to grow and it got kind of crazy and weird because I didn't ever expect to make any work, any money. And then I made little money and then I made as much money as him. And then I started making more money than him. And at the time, and he's always had great careers. He's, he's been extremely successful in his careers, but he was working 90 hours a week on, he was helping put in an oil pipeline and he was like wow. he had a company truck and we had insurance and he was, but he was gone 90 hours a week. And I had, I think I had 
two babies and I was pregnant with the third. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't see him and I had all these homestead things I needed help with and he was never home. And so we looked at each other and I make it sound fast and easy. There was a lot of conversations over many months of like, when do we take the leap? When do we start to trust my income and my business and, and get off the security net of insurance and a company vehicle and a salary. And so that was a long, hairy discussion. It was not easy. Um, but in 2015, he quit his job and came home and it was disorienting for a while, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, I hear a lot of entrepreneur women, women talk about, I, you know, I want to bring my husband home and we'd actually recorded a podcast about this because we, it was a point of contention for us for a long time. Um, he's like, I don't want you to bring me home. I am a man who is fulfilled in his career and I don't need you to save me from my job. Mm-hmm. And so we had lots of discussions around that, but ultimately he came home when he, he felt, he felt like it was the right choice. And then he kind of had to figure out his new identity. And that was hard for him because men are so wrapped up in, in what they do. And that's, you know, breadwinners and that's, that's how they're wired. And so, um, he, he did a lot of different things, tried a lot of different things. And now I say we have our routine. It's, it's, a, it's good now where we figured it out. He's never going to be like blogging or, you know, shooting YouTube videos right alongside me. But he plays a really important role in helping keep the family supported. Like he, he goes to town. I hate going to town. I would never go to town if I had to. And so he goes and runs errands and he helps run kids around and he's running his, the beef side of things. And that's his baby and his, um, interest. And he's helping with this. We have a charter school project. That's a whole nother topic. He's helping to run that. And so we've figured out how to work in tandem, but man, those early years were a challenge because it's, it's, it was uncharted territory for us. And for a lot of people, it just, who thinks that's going to happen? And so uh, it took some figuring out. Mm. I'm glad you were, I'm glad you're talking about this. Cause like Joey and I talk about it all the time. Joey has his own business he runs and, and like, I don't really see that changing. And so that is kind of a thing where you're like, oh, so-and-so like, there is this draw for your family to be together a hundred percent. And yeah. like you, everyone can find flexibility in their job if they want. I know people who work in very corporate jobs who still have tons of flexibility. And I know people who own their own businesses and feel like they have zero flexibility. So it's not cookie cutter, but it's interesting and, and kind of nice to hear that like any transition causes some growth, <laughs> right? Within yes. you. Yes. Because it's, it's not as idyllic as my, one might think right? But having yep. your husband home. Yep. I know on days where Joey's working from home, sometimes those are the most challenging days, personally, relationally. Yep. I think you can agree because we're just both used to circling in our mm-hmm. own worlds. And he's like, so this is what you do all day. Like it's really messy. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is <laughs> how it looks, you know? <laughs> yes, um, for sure. Yeah. And, and there's, it's funny also the times when, you know, we, it, it's weird. Sometimes we're together a lot and other times like we're calving now. So he's down at the pastures and he's feeding and I'm like, people are like, can you ask Christian this? I'm like, I don't know. I never see him. So maybe you right. should call him because you know, it's so, it's a weird, it's just a weird dynamic. And it's been, I, I kind of had to accept speaking, you know, we were talking about thinking outside the box and not following in societal patterns. There's a certain comfort in societal patterns. And so it was kind of scary to be like, what does this look like? I don't know anybody else doing it like this. Is this allowed? Is this legal? Right. And so sorting through all that's, kind of a weird feeling sometimes yeah how have you managed because you didn't expect this to happen how have you been able to kind of grow into the space that you've created when it was something that you didn't start off thinking any of this was going to happen 
yeah, it's been, th thankfully it happened gradually enough that I kind of could grow up with it, grow and mature into it. Um, but I ha I've hired help. I have a good team. And so um, people always seem surprised by that. And I'm like, I hope you're not too surprised because like there's no way I could do all this. It's no one's superwoman. So, you know, I have people who help me answer emails and people who help me edit videos and people who help edit my podcast. And so the team, growing the team as my business has grown has been absolutely crucial because it's still important to me to have that quality of life. That is still more important to me than money. And so even though it would make sense on a schedule realm to not garden and not have animals and to not be trying to grow food, if I took all that out of my life, I would be miserable. And I'd be like, what's the point of all this success? And so I have to be able to keep those pieces in to keep me grounded, um, but also be able to answer the emails and push the business forward. And so having strategic employees in those positions has been absolutely crucial. Mm, I love that. I think that's really smart and really awesome. Um, talk to us about this new book that you just finished. Yes, it was like having a baby with a very long <laughs> gestation period. It was, it was a thing. So um, the first thing I say is it's not a cookbook because people like my cookbook and I might do another cookbook someday, but this is not a cookbook. It is a um, reading book is what my my publisher calls it because it doesn't have pictures and it's not like a how-to, but it's just a book you sit down and, and read, uh, which is funny to explain it like that, but that's how I explain it because people just assume it's a tutorial book, but it's called Old Fashioned on Purpose. And it's a lot of what we talked about today in terms of just examining how we got to where we are as a culture and asking, do we have to continue like this? Like what happens if we think differently and how can we take the very best parts of our past, our past history as humans before the industrial revolution and how can we bring threads of that forward to benefit us and our kids mm. and our, our environment um, and just our world as a whole. So. Mm. Wow. I can't wait to read that. That sounds like right up my alley. Joey's probably like, what? No, I love it. That sounds awesome. No, I, I know you're probably thinking like, that's a book I want to get my hands on. Um, when does this book release? So it comes out um, September 26th. So okay. I'm not sure when this will air, but it's a, it's probably a ways off. Um, but people can pre-order it now. And we, we gave, we're giving out a whole bunch of really cool pre-order incentives. So, uh, you can order it from your favorite bookstore and then fill out the little form and then we'll send you all the freebies way ahead of September 26th. So if people want to make sure they get a copy and don't forget, that's the way to do it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm for sure going to pre-order that. That sounds incredible. We covered so many topics. Anything else that's swirling around in either of your two brains that you kind of want to circle back on or converse about or anything, any final thoughts? Hmm. Um, man, we covered a lot of really good ground. This was awesome. We did. I would just say, I know you have a lot of folks who live in the suburbs or live in towns, you know, they're not necessarily rural, uh, dwellers. So I just would say, there's, I would encourage them there's still so much they can do and change and think differently about even if they don't live on property, even if they're living uh, in a neighborhood, you know, in terms of uh, stripping back the layers of it, this industrial mindset and getting back to connection and thinking through how we're living our lives and shaking up those paradigms. Don't think that you have to have a farm to do all those things because it's really right. possible for everybody. Mm, I love that message. And I was just reminded 
Uh, we chatted about lard soap on your episode and you were like, hold yes. the phone, solid yes. lard soap, which is hilarious <laughs> because on Monday, our shop where we're selling lard soap, Hazelmeyer Goods, mm. is launching. So we're finally okay. going to have a lard soap option. Obviously, people, if they want to make their own, more power to you. That's incredible. Love homemade soap. Yeah. But for folks who are like, I want to try this out. I've never washed dishes with a bar. Like how weird. I'm curious to hear have you tried it yet like have you made your own have you been I, inspired I have not I had good oh, intentions come on. and then no I made no you know what I did I think I got I I got off on this rabbit trail I got inspired by the episode and then I made tallow soap and I forgot about the lard conversation <laughs> and I made so I'm using I have it like bath bar soap but I don't okay. I didn't use it for dishes so I still okay. I, I still need to do that but I did well, I was just news. looking at your if you have some we I can, can get some you from some. you mm-hmm. yeah. I know well, and I just you're store what's the name of your store hazelmeyer goods hazelmeyer it came up on my instagram randomly and i was like oh my gosh there's the large soap like literally two hours ago so it was meant to be this i needed this reminder so i will i'm gonna go order some good it's meant to be yeah shop opens on monday we'll we'll ship you some we're selling it with a natural sea sponge because you know why not embrace nature in all capacities yes Yes. Um, but tell people because you are such a amazing insightful prairie philosopher i just love that title (laughs) tell people where they can find you and how they can connect yeah so my blog the good old blog that's been around forever is the prairiehomestead.com and it's kind of the hub of all the things i do so if you want to get on my newsletter or or read the blog post all the free contents there and then instagram's probably the social platform that i enjoy the most i'm most active and it's just jill.winger so come connect with me and we'll we'll hang out on instagram cool i love that Uh, the book september 26th September 26th. And if people want to check it out, it's oldfashionedbook.com. And it's going to be in all the bookstores. So if you can pre-order it from your local bookstore, that's my best recommendation. Or you can go to Amazon too, if that's your only option. Cool. Book sounds outstanding. I can't wait to I'm excited. It's been a thing. Like it was all consuming. (laughs) So. Oh, I'm sure. And after this pod or after the book launches, we'll have to have you back on the show again, just to kind of talk through it. Cause I can't wait to read it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to. Just a spoiler episode for everybody. (laughs) Now make everyone guide their own book. (laughs) Maybe wait a while. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) All right, cool. Well, Jill, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I've really loved today's conversation and uh, I hope it's a blessing to everyone who listens. I think we covered some, some interesting topics, ones that we've never broached here on the show before. So thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, Jill Winger has left the virtual chat. Yeah, what a great conversation. I feel like we need to get her to Cincinnati or we just need to go to her. I know, I know. So I, I so often wish these interviews could be in person and you know what? It's just not the face. Maybe we should just rent a large camper like an rv and just like tour the country and i've literally had that same travel thought. around and hang out we with might people. have to like make a gofundme to make that how do we make that happen we need to make that happen <laughs> if you would like to help us make our oh stop come it true. oh stop it no 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 that i it would be so fun to be in person with all of our guests but particularly just really had a good connection with jill if you guys are not already following her on instagram or listening to her podcast make sure you guys do that uh, you should find Jill in all the various places. She's got so much going on. They've got their beef company. They've got their soda fountain. They've mm. got um, just, she's just an OG blogger. So she's just a wealth of knowledge. In Chugwater. Yeah. What, what is it? Like uh, Wisconsin or Chug something. Chugwater. Huh? They're all <laughs> thirsty. Yeah. 
So, yeah, if you liked if you liked listening to Jill, definitely go follow her. Uh, if you like listening to us, you could you could follow us. Yeah, you can. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous ones, go ahead and leave us a rating and review. That is super helpful, not only just for us on all podcasting platforms, but also any feedback is good feedback. So we like to hear what people say and either laugh at it because it is funny to hear about all the things and that we do true. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But also, uh, we'd like to correct those things. So totally. Definitely, totally. definitely love hearing from hearing from you. Leave us a review. Send us a message. You know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram if you wanted to do that as well. You can find us at homegrown underscore education. Mm-hmm. You can find Elizabeth Liz at Liz Hazelmeyer. You can find me at Joey Hazelmeyer. We've also got... We've also got products for sale, things that you could buy to support you, but also to support us. Mm-hmm. What what product do you use uh, like most frequently from shopth.com? Oh, you know I'm using the dish soap 25 times yeah, a day. Yeah, that's true. We use, we use the and, large dish soap all day. But like the coffee and tea, I probably drink at least twice a day. It's funny how we literally created something. for like We use it every single day. Oh, multiple times. We're, we're, we have, do we have anything for sale that we're not using on a regular basis? No, because even sourdough stuff, I'm using that every time I bake. Pretty awesome. I'd love to see that. Yeah. The proofing baskets on shoptheh.com. Mm-hmm. Love them. USA made beautiful cotton coiled proofing baskets, zero stick whatsoever. Why are they so much better? They, it's just a combination of like better material. So there's like no wood splintering. Like I use the rattan banatins for so long. You get little tiny splinters of wood. It wouldn't necessarily get in your dough, but you could see it. And then if you don't like scrub them or like brush them, which I did own a brush, hmm. uh, they can mold really yeah. easily because the mold is, or the wood is just very porous. And it's it just, just absorbing that water up. And- yeah. And it just, it's hard to wash, but mm. our proofing baskets, like you can just um, literally submerge in warm soapy water if you need to. Like mm. I don't wash them between each use, but you certainly can if something spills on them. So they're totally washable, hundred percent USA made by a artisan and you're supporting a work's worth of, mo- uh, uh, oh, sorry, a month's worth of work when you're purchasing a proofing basket through us. Um, and I just really like that. I love all the families represented through Hazelmeyer Age. It is pretty cool. Through Hazelmeyer Age. Mm. Yeah, Hazelmeyer Goods. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm, I've been getting down with taking the Brazil coffee and kind of cutting it with a little bit of that Columbia decaf. Mm-hmm. Called a half calf. A half calf. It is so good. I can't really handle a full calf coffee anymore. I don't know why. Yeah. I just don't prefer it. I, I prefer can. decaf. But sometimes when I want a little bit more got to cut it. Yeah. I mean, Honduras would be good too, cutting it. I think we also made a mistake with the chai tea. Why? Well, we told people about it. I know. And then it sold out like immediately. It was like something that we've been kind I of literally couldn't buy having my own tea. for us for a while. <laughs> and we sold it out in like a day. Yeah. And um, it I, wasn't supposed to sell out It though. wasn't supposed to sell out. Yeah. It's a bummer. But it, it's back in stock. Tea's back in stock. Soap's there. It's like a graham cracker. What is? The chai tea. Oh, it's it's like cinnamony. Well, I mean, any... By the way, yeah, chai tea is a little redundant, but it's fine because everyone says chai tea. Because apparently chai just means tea. Oh, understood. But um, yeah, I mean, I love the chai. It's, it's the most flavorful. That was always my issue. Like I would buy the organic bags of chai tea at Kroger or where... Even like a tea shop. 
And I just felt like it was never bold enough. Mm. Like I almost had to add two bags to it because I like to mix my chai with some milk mm. and a little bit of sugar. I know you like honey and... A little bit of maple syrup I've been hitting in there. Yeah, I, re- I actually prefer cane sugar. I'm going to be really? honest because it doesn't cool the tea down at uh, all. Yeah. Anyways, I just haven't found a chai that's as bold and flavorful. And then this one came along and I was like, yes. I'll tell you what I've been doing. And not that this is like groundbreaking, but... A little bit of maple syrup in the bottom of the, gl- of the of the mug, and then I hit it with. I actually make the chai a little bit more potent because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to cut it with a little bit of dairy, a little bit of that raw milk, right? Mm-hmm. And I kind of stir it up so that it it dissolves all that maple syrup. And then what I love to do is take our espresso machine uh-huh. and froth up some of that milk. Yeah, and then I pour that in there, and it's just this light, airy. It's basically like. A graham cracker. Yeah, it's a chai tea latte right it's so there. so good. So good. So good, hot or iced. Literally any of our teas are that way. We have a pitcher of iced cranberry orange herbal tea right now oh, so good. in our fridge. Yeah. Anyways, wow. We could talk we're getting about kind of it distracted. for so long. You can tell <laughs> literally the things that we're using every day and we put them on a website so that you can use these things too. Because going to your grocery store and not knowing if you can trust something. Oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. We literally just went to the grocery store as a family like 20 minutes ago. It was fun. You enjoyed it because it's like a once in a while thing. Yeah. Like, don't even get me started on this. Uh, The whole time I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And Joey's like being fun dad and like, oh, come on, let's peruse the aisles. And I'm like, no, this is my every day. Yes, fair. And this for you is fun. It was fun. It's out of the ordinary to be at the store with your children. Mm -hmm. For me, I was like, yo, I'm ready to go. Anyways, the grocery store can be stressful. We know that. We still shop at the grocery store, though, but we also curated specific items that you just can't find anywhere else, and that's what I love about Shop We started a company to help alleviate that pain, make life easier. If you want to support yourself and support us to keep this podcast rolling, you can leave us a review. You could go to shoptheh.com, buy some some products that you probably need anyway. You're Mm -hmm. probably doing dishes. Yeah. You're probably doing dishes, so why not do your dishes with scent free no weird fragrances no weird plastics lard and lye dish soap mm-hmm. go get you some of that maybe add in a little sea sponge in there too if you if, yeah. you, if you're feeling a little it's like the spicy most luxurious dish setup it's, it's pretty nice pretty practical too. it's like luxurious but it's like it's like ready to throw down oh yeah and we're scrubbing some like i'm telling dishes. you like 40 to 60 pots a day is what i'm doing <laughs> Jeez, I should have like a 40 to 60 pots 40 to 60 dishes I was I gonna say no say. way pots not, not like literal pots that's like being like, like a restaurant yeah I mean I could I'd throw down with some lard soap in a yeah, restaurant that's fair you could also find our books we've got curriculum for your kids we've got what's for dinner what's for breakfast things to keep you inspired for everyday meals we've got coloring books for your kids to get them away from the unicorn coloring books that we, we are all so sick of. <laughs> so many. You can find all that at homegrowneducation.org. And um, until next time, that's a wrap.